Robert South here. We hear so much on the news. We see so much on in print. We we maybe even hear them talk about people around us talking about you know what's going on in the world. Well, God's still in charge. None of this took God by surprise. So in John 3 and 16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Can't get any more basic than that. But hear what I'm about to say. Yes, God does love the world, or he would not have allowed his Son to come. God the Father allowed God the Son to come and die on the cross for us, and God the Son willingly did it. So God does love the world. That means that he loves everyone in the world to a point. To a point. But we stop, or a lot of people stop there. So, well, God loves me. But let's look. For God so loved the world, comma, that he gave his only begotten Son, comma, Okay, he loved us enough to give us Jesus. He loved us enough to give us a Savior, to give us a Messiah, to give us a way out. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish. Not that whosoever will not perish, but it says that whosoever believeth in him. Now, Old English may be tricky for some, and I'm not trying to negate your intelligence, but that just basically means that whoever believes. So let's look at it that way. That whoever believes in him puts a little bit more <clears throat> different spin, if you will, God loved us to send us Jesus, but we have to believe in what he done. We have to believe that he was God the Son. We have to believe that he died on the cross. And we have to believe that he died for our sins. And then it says, should not perish. If we believe in God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, if we believe in God the Son dying on the cross for us, then we will not perish, but we will have everlasting life. God loved the world enough to send us Christ, but he's not going to make you love him back. He's a gentleman. Now, my wife and I have been married for 34 years this past October. I couldn't make her love me. I'm just glad she she did. She saw through the stupid, immature little boy that I was 34 years ago, and she loved me in spite of myself. And as I said earlier, this is the first time that either one of us has been in the hospital that the other one has not been sitting right there. I mean, I slept in three straight back chairs, one for my head, one for my feet, and one in my middle when one of my children was born because they didn't have the recliner chair in the room and they didn't have the bed for the father. They, it was three straight back chairs. I'd do it again tonight if I could be beside of her. I would have dressed up in a hazmat suit if I could have sat beside of her. And she would have done the same for me. That's how much we love each other. God loved us enough to send us the cure to send us the answer, to send us 
the solution, but he can, he will not, he could, but he will not make us love him back. Let's put it this way. If you're a mom or a dad and you're a loving parent, if you have small children, teenage children, or adult children, it doesn't matter. There are 10 young people that are in danger. 10. You see the danger coming. You see the 10. One of those 10, one of those 10 is your child. Mom, dad, who are you going to save? You're not Superman. You don't get to fly backwards. You don't get to fly fast enough to change time, to go back in time. So you have one shot. One of those 10 is your child. Who are you going to save? Now, I'm not going to say that the, all the, the 10 are babies. I'm not going to say that the 10 are teenagers. I'm not going to say that the 10 is adults. I'm going to say that one of those 10 is your child. Who are you going to save? Now, let's mix it up a little bit. Let's put some babies. Let's put some teenagers. Let's put some adults in there. Your child's one of the adults. Who are you going to save? You're going to save your child if you're a loving parent. And you're going to expect the other parents of the 10 or the nine that are left, you're going to expect them to do the same. You're going to expect them to save theirs. You're going to take care of your own. God's going to take care of his own. God's going to take care of his family, his children first. Yes, God loved the world. And yes, he does love us. And no, he doesn't send us to hell. You are correct. Oh, God loves me. He would send me to hell. You're right. He doesn't. You go yourself. That's proof here in John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but that will have eternal life. In chapter in verse 15, Whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. Through him. We have got to go through Christ. No other options, no other way. If there had been another way, Christ would not have died on the cross. Had there been a, an easier way, Christ would not have had to come and died on the cross. But through him the world might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. So, mom, dad, it's up to you. Children, it's up to you. You can believe on the Holy Bible. You can believe on what God has said in his word. And he stowed us in his word, by my stripes ye are healed. So I know that my wife will be healed. I believe that. I have faith. Personal testimony time. I've uh, battled multiple sclerosis since 1994. I have woke up blind and I have been put to bed paralyzed. I have gotten lost in some of the places that you wouldn't even consider being able to be lost. Been so confused. Could not find my way out of my own bedroom. I know that sounds funny wasn't funny at the time, though, I will admit to that. 
was not funny at the time at all. I battled it since 1994. I'm still able to walk. I'm still able to see. I'm still able to move. I still drop things, though. Still forget things. Does this negate God's promise that he said, by my stripes ye are healed? No, it does not. Just because he hasn't healed me yet completely, totally, 100% does not mean that he will not completely, totally heal me 100%. And even if I don't get healed here on this side of the grave, I will be healed in the life to come because I firmly believe in verse 3, or chapter 3, verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. I don't and will not perish. I will have everlasting life. Now that's arrogant, maybe, but that's confidence, definitely. I know that when I pass away, I am going to heaven. As long as I stay in this word, I am going. My name is written down in the Lamb's Book of Life, and I'm going to get to see the loved ones that have went on before me. This is the condemnation, verse 19, and this is the condemnation that light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. You know, darkness covers a multitude of sins. That's the reason why most break-ins and robberies occur of a night. It's harder to see. I will go ahead and tell you a little humorous story, a little humorous antidote here. When the ambulance EMTs got into my wife and I's bedroom the other day, yesterday, had the lights off, was trying to give her some rest, noticed that she was struggling to breathe, and we finally called, finally convinced her that I needed to call 911. The EMTs arrived, and they're in the bedroom. Now, it's, I won't say it's totally pitch dark, because it's in the middle of the day, but they wanted extra light. Now, with the EMS, I have a, I have a little vision problem, and I have replaced all of my lights in the ceilings, in the lamps. I've replaced all of them with very intensely bright daylight LEDs. Very intense. Several, well, thousand or greater lumens. In my shop, I have two 8,000 lumen bulbs. In my house, I've got anywhere from three to 4,000 lumens. My son swears that you can see my house from, from space. But the EMTs, they, they wanted some extra light. So I told them, I said, well, just reach up and turn that ceiling fan light on. But I warn you, it is bright. Very bright. Well, they were busy, so I just kind of reached around one of them and pulled the cord. And as I did, I went, guard your eyes, pulled the cord, and one of them went, my word, it's extremely bright in my house. Very, very bright. Because I cannot see in darkness. I don't want to see in darkness. I want to see in the bright light. I like the bright light. It's extremely bright in this room right now. I don't know. If you've followed the, this broadcast much, you've seen over the, the two or three times in the past 
where it was kind of an all yellowish haze on the on the monitor while you was watching it. Now it shouldn't be yellow. It should be extremely bright. You should be able to see the chart, the Bible chart behind me very well because of the bright lights that I have. I'm not trying to hide anything. I like the brightness. And this is the condemnation that light has come into the world. Christ is even brighter than the lights that I have in my house. And men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light. Now, I'm not telling you I'm perfect by having these bright lights. I'm telling you that I'm using that as an, an analogy because I have to have the bright lights to see. And I have to be able, because my vision is gone, or it's it's a lot less than it used to be. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. So you can't get any more basic than John chapter 3 starting, I'll say we started with verse 15 and went to verse 21. You have to believe in Christ for the everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. We have to believe in Jesus and what he has done on the cross of Calvary. We have to believe that he came to this earth as our Messiah and as our Savior. As long as that occurs, that belief and that acceptance on the cross and you confess your sins to him, you, you cry out for mercy. You cry out for forgiveness. You're there. Your name's written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. There's nothing else you have to do to get your name in the Lamb's Book of Life. Nothing else. Not a thing. Here in John 3, 16, and 17, and 18, and 19, and 20, and 21, it teaches us that. That once we accept Christ and His sacrifice. There is absolutely nothing else we need to do to get our name in the Lamb's Book of Life. But now once our name gets in the Lamb's Book of Life, we will want, we will desire, we will expect our own selves to help others. See, it's not by works lest any man should boast. I am not good enough to do any of it. I am not good enough to get my name in the Lamb's Book of Life. It is through Christ that my name gets written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. Through Christ in Him alone. But once my name is there, then I should start acting like more like Christ. I wish I could say 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, that, yeah, I've always acted like Christ. Well, I haven't. You should have saw me a little earlier this week when my wife was sick. Now, I wasn't questioning whether God could heal her. Don't get me wrong. I was wondering when he was going to heal her, and I was getting aggravated. I was getting upset. 
this is the love of my life. This is my sweetheart. We've only been together 34 years. That's way not enough. And I was upset that God just didn't heal her. And he could have. And he still will. But you have to understand, sometimes he uses the doctors. And sometimes he uses the ambulance services. See, we, we are very blessed in the United States of America. We've got one of the greatest health systems in the world. Whether you believe it or not, I don't care. It doesn't bother me that you don't believe it. You may want socialized medicine and all. That's, that's up to you. But right now, we have one of the greatest health cares. Is it expensive? <laughs> yes, it is. But still, we've got the best doctors, the best nurses, the best facilities. Don't ha I don't have to worry about my wife. I'm going to, but I don't have to. She's in good hands. She's in better hands at the hospital than she was laying here with eating my soup. Okay, I told my sister-in-law, I was talking to her yesterday, and I said, yes, yeah, you better hurry up and get well. I think my cooking's killing everybody. But Christ, getting back to the basics, we don't have to worry. I don't have to worry about my wife. I don't have to worry about my wife's soul. I know where she's going to go when she, you know, leaves this world. Now, would I have loved for God to have magically, supernaturally, physically, and emotionally healed her? Yeah, sure. But it's in God's time and in God's way. And God is healing her. He's using the doctors. He's using the, the medicine. He's using the hospital to get her well. So God is still healing her. And, But because that she and I are Christians, we have to act like we're Christians. We have to act more like Christ. We have to go out and do the good. Not because we have to, but because we want to. Our names are written down in the Lamb's Book of Life because of John 3.16. But because of John 3.16, we are also trying to help people along the way. We don't have to, but that's what the next step is. That's the next progression. I don't like to see, you know, grouchy, and I'm grouchy at times, don't get me wrong, but you know what I'm, what I'm saying. Somebody that's just constantly grouchy, but yet calls himself a Christian? I'm not questioning whether your name's in the Lamb's Book of Life. I'm questioning your motives. For God so loved the world. I don't see that. There was times even when I saw Christ was angry. You know, he whipped the, cracked the whip over the people in the temple because they had turned his house into a den of thieves. He got mad. He cleared the temple. But also see where he was sad and he wept. I believe that when when they brought the children to him, I remember seeing a picture of, of Christ when they brought the picture or when they brought uh, the children to get him to bless them. And it said, you know, suffer the little children, forbid them not, for such is the kingdom of God. I saw a picture of him laughing and picking them up and playing with them. And I, I love that picture. I, I truly believe that that's a uh, snapshot <coughs> excuse me snapshot of of Jesus when he was playing with the children. I believe he laughed. I believe he smiled. I think you know some of the antics of 
Peter and John and James. I think some of them antics, like he's probably shaking his head going, oh, boys, 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 come on. I believe that they shared some laughters. I believe that they, sh they shared some friendship, some camaraderie that we don't get to read about in the scriptures, but I believe that it was there. So I see that, you know, Christ has these emotions, and I know that, you know, he gave me my emotions. I've just got to keep my emotions under control. He said to be angry, but to sin not. So, you know, it's okay to get mad. It's okay to be angry. But what are you angry at? Are you angry at the people, or are you angry at the sin? Love the sinner, hate the sin. Now, it can't get, though, any more basic than John 3.16. For God so loved the world. Yes, he did. Can't dispute that. Won't dispute that. If he didn't love us, he wouldn't have sent Jesus. My dad and my mom were great, great parents. They loved people. You didn't come to my parents' house and, and go away hungry. They would rather go to bed hungry than someone there. But if it came down to a stranger or their children, they're going to feed their children. They're going to do what they can for the stranger, but they're going to feed the, their children first. God's the same way. He loves people. My parents loved people. My dad was one of the most outgoing, charismatic Bigger than life personalities than you'd ever... You, you have missed a blessing by not knowing my dad. He was quite a character. Quite a character. And he loved people. My mother was quiet, non-assuming. She'd walk into a room, you wouldn't even know she was there. You wouldn't even know she was there. But she was, she was the force behind the family. A lot of... A lot of it, if you know my wife and I, you see a, a kind of a somewhat mirror of my dad and my mom's relationship now. Now, my wife and I didn't grow up together, so she didn't grow up in the history of my family. We met after I moved to North Carolina. But when he comes right out to it, I'm probably more outgoing than she is. She could walk into a room. You'd never know that she was there, but trust, trust me when I say she's the force behind the family. My children even say that they don't want her to go home to Jesus before me. They prefer I go first because me without her, the world's, world's going to be in a very hurting place. My point. My wife and I, we love people. We love to help people. But when it comes down to helping stranger or my children or my grandchildren... I'll even go one further. When it comes down to helping my children or my grandchildren, my children, my grandchildren get first dibs. They do. Because I'm a grandpa first. I'm a dad second now. That first grandbaby that was laid in my arms changed me forever. I love my children. I have a daughter and a son. I love them to death. I have seven grandchildren. I cannot even describe the emotion when I get to see them. God's the same way, guys. He loves people, but he loves his family more. And to become 
family member of God, you have to accept what Christ done on the cross. You have to believe in him. And once you believe in him and accept what he done on the cross, you become part of God's family. You become my brother, my sister, and the Lord. I've often told people that I've accepted Christ through prayer, the altar, welcome to the family. Welcome to the family. We have family members all over the world. Welcome to the family. So yes, God loves the world. God loves the sinner. But he loves his kids more. Because it's to his kids that he has promised everlasting life. It is to his kids that he said his stripes heals us. It is his kids that he said he would never leave us nor forsake us. It is his children, not the world. He loved the world enough to send his son, but through his son we become his family, and his family is number one in his heart and life. It doesn't get any simpler than that. And it doesn't get any more complicated than that. We put all of these rules and regulations out there and we try to, to work it out. We don't have to. Just accept what Christ's done. Just accept 316. Love you. Mean it. Look for you Sunday or Sunday morning. My Facebook, we will be having um, Bible study. We're doing... Um, Proverbs, yeah, excuse me, the Minor Prophets Bible Study. You're welcome to jump over on my Facebook page, Robert South. Or we'll see you next Saturday here on this station. Share this, this uh, message with friends and family. We'd love to hear from you. We're going to end in a, in a prayer, and then uh, we're going to let you have the rest of your day back. Our most kind and gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your many blessings upon our life, Lord, for allowing us the opportunity once again to come to you and your throne room as boldly as we know how. Lord, we ask that you'll move and that you'll touch and that you'll stretch forth your hand here this day. Lord, that you'll touch those that are sick. Lord, that you'll heal their body, Lord. But Lord, most especially those that are lost and undone, Lord, that you'll send someone to plant, someone to water, Lord, that we know that you will give the increase. And God, we ask this in Jesus' sweet name. Amen.